0: Hello and welcome to Total SF. Heather and I are both taking a week off the podcast, but we're playing a flashback, probably our favorite episode of the pandemic Zoom era. Lieutenant Eleanor Sadler of SF Animal Care and Control, aka Officer Edith, is on today. We'll be back next week with one, maybe two new episodes. Here's Officer Edith from 2020.
1: From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle.
0: Welcome back to Total SF. Heather Knight, we've been sheltering in place for six months. How close are you right now to adopting a dog?
1: Not close. My kids keep asking and my husband and I keep changing the subject.
0: As someone who has adopted a dog, um, smart choice. No, just kidding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Can Ripley hear you right now?
0: Ripley can hear us right now. And this is the one podcast I don't mind if my rescue dog interrupts us because we are interviewing uh, Lieutenant Eleanor Sadler. That's Officer Edith. And I am so excited.
1: She is awesome. She is um, a longtime staffer at Animal Care and Control, a little-known city agency that rescues animals, and she runs a beloved Twitter account, under the name Officer Edith. I thought her name was Edith. I just made that crazy assumption, but it is not. And we get the backstory in this episode, which is great. She's she's a delight.
0: Yeah, we learned so much in this episode about Officer Edith, about animals in San Francisco. Skunks, I feel like I got like a three-unit class on <laughs> skunks. <laughs> like,
1: she's a big skunk fan.
0: I think I'm a zoologist now, after listening to Officer Edith. I think she's, so. She's absolutely delightful. Um I, I don't know how to describe her Twitter account except it's filled with joy and it's funny and heartwarming, sometimes a little bit sad or there's some information there that's a little tougher, but it's, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful um, addition to my Twitter thread over the years.
1: Yes, all San Franciscans who are on Twitter. I mean, think twice before joining, but if you're already there, (laughs) go to the handle Officer Edith. It's definitely a great follow. Break up the doom scrolling. I thought I could read some of her recent tweets. Excellent. This one was very recent. A woman just called to report her boyfriend for neglecting his dog. She said he doesn't deserve a dog, and I said it sounds like he doesn't deserve a girlfriend either. (laughs) And she said, I think you might be right. (laughs) Go girl, be free.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's great.
1: Yeah. And then there is um, a picture, separate tweet, picture of a tiny baby possum. And the tweet from Officer Edith is, Behold, I am the possum of power. I bring important news of dot, dot, dot. Oh, you know what? I need entrance music. I'll remember that for the next planet I invade. (laughs)
0: That was awesome. I I have one here that you sent me. It's a picture of a man holding a pelican. He's by the beach. He's got a mask on, still looks a little nervous, grabbing the pelican by the beak. Uh, Officer Edith tweets, this is our newest officer. He's never handled a pelican before, but he followed the instructions and just went for it. He has a Pella can do attitude.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just want to read one more tweet. Um, This is a bit older, so you may have missed it if you haven't followed her recently, but... All dogs adopted from Animal Care and Control are certified hangover support dogs. They are specially trained to go back to bed with you at noon. (laughs)
0: That is excellent. Um, We're going to talk to Officer Edith about a lot of things in San Francisco. We cover coyotes. We cover some of the strangest things that she's uh, found and um, just a little bit what it's like to be an animal care and control officer. But uh, we want to mention right up front sfanimalcare.org. They can use donations and volunteers. She talks a little bit about that. And on Twitter and Instagram, she is Officer Edith.
1: Definitely follow and consider adopting a pet if you like. Or they can use money. Or interestingly, they can really use towels and pillowcases. So you, everybody has those laying around.
0: Yes, and we're going to talk you into adopting a dog later, (laughs) Heather. I didn't think I was going to do it either, and then it happened. I'm Peter Hartlob here with Heather Knight, and this is Total SF. Thank you very much. Welcome back, Heather Knight, and welcome to the Total SF podcast. I'm so excited. Officer Edith, a.k.a. Lieutenant Eleanor Sadler, uh, welcome to our podcast. We're very excited about this.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I, one, one reason I'm excited, and, and Heather will um, attest to this, I'd say seven out of nine podcasts so far, my dog has interrupted the podcast, often edited out. I don't see that as a problem here. I see that as an asset.
2: That is absolutely a bonus for this one. Yeah. Do
1: not edit out Ripley. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I wanted to start. Um, Officer Edith, where did it start? How does it work? And are you the first Officer Edith? Was there another Officer Edith? Just let's start there. How did, how did, how did Officer Edith start?
2: So, uh, so years and years ago, um, one of our regular officers impounded a Amazon parrot and we had one Amazon parrot in the office and so we brought the second one into the office so they became a pair. Then the initial Amazon started becoming a little bit feisty um, and got home to somebody a little bit more skilled than us. So we were left with one parrot who was named Edith and she lived in our squadron for 15 years or something and as we were as the shelter itself was branching out into more social media, somebody started a Twitter handle as Officer Edith, and it was supposed to be, you know, it's, you know tweets from the streets um, and what the officers are up to. And it had, been, it had lain dormant for a while, and um, I was nagging my coworker about all the fun things we could do and projects we should take on, and she was like, you know what, why don't you handle Officer Edith? <laughs> and I was like, okay! <laughs> And they basically just, just set me free, and I didn't, I didn't have any real social media savvy or anything. I just would say silly things, and then I realized that people really wanted to see pictures of cute animals, and I was like, I have a lot of those. I can do that. Oh. So that was really it.
1: Well, I think it's one of the happiest Twitter accounts in San Francisco.
2: So I try and keep it that way. I, I, you know, I follow the news like everyone else, and, I, and there's things I want to say, and I'm like, no, I've really just got to be this oasis. You can read terrible things yeah. everywhere else. It's a break from you come the Come to Doom me for scrolling. a picture of baby possum. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's what I try and do. Cool.
0: Particularly welcome. I, I, I loved it even before the shelter in place, but particularly welcome, like balancing out a lot of other things during the shelter in place. Um, do you remember, you, you mentioned when it started, cute animals was a breakthrough, it sounds like, but do you remember your very first tweets? I mean, was it more of a of a, you know, institutional type thing? And how did it sort of develop into the cadence that you have now?
2: Um, No, it was a little bit weirder. (laughs) um, Weirder? You know, what's funny is literally I just tried to scroll back to see my beginning tweets because I'm sure that there's some really embarrassing (laughs) ones. So um, I looked back and I could only go so far back. It sort of stopped uh, before my first tweets. Um, And yeah, it's just me being weird. And then I (laughs) thought... The thing that really took off is I found a stray piglet, and Uh I posted that, and it was a a local journalist following me retweeted it, and then a bunch of other journalists retweeted it, and suddenly I got a whole bunch (laughs) of people following me. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) I can totally post pictures of of all the cute things I find, um, if that's what makes people happy.
1: What brought you to San Francisco in the first place?
2: Um, I never heard anything bad about it.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't think that's true anymore. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> I I know, right? But 20 years ago, when I was thinking about moving to the States, I was like, it really has to be New York, L.A., or San Francisco. Like, those are the top three if you're going to move anywhere. And I'd heard that New York was dangerous, and I'd heard that San Frans- um, L.A. was just so huge you needed a car. And I was like, I don't want to buy a car right away. Yeah. So that was true. <laughs> so as simple as that sounds, San Francisco was, was the reason I picked it. Aww. Where are you from? Uh, I'm originally from Chester, England. Mm-hmm.
0: Was it your first job here with animal care and control, or did you kind of make your way over there?
2: Um, So I had worked in Wichita, Kansas, uh, uh, at the uh, Kansas Humane Society for, uh, I think, a year after I'd finished my degree. And then I went back to England, and then I couldn't get a job, and then I was like, I'm going to go back to the States. And so I, I moved to San Francisco. I got a job as a, a dog daycare center first. That was the first job I got when I moved here. And then uh, there was a position available here.
1: And do you have any pets yourself?
2: I do. Um, right now I only, fortunately, have a, a, one dog and one cat.
1: You've had more in the past.
2: Mm-hmm. I've had so many more in the past. <laughs> and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to pare down. I had a... Hi, little friend. <laughs> Sorry,
0: Ripley's coming up. I'm feeding her now, so she won't interrupt later. Oh, she's so
2: cute.
0: I actually went, the story behind Ripley, and, and Heather can help me tell it, is we, we, Heather and I rode every Muni bus in one day. People who listen to this podcast oh, are yeah. sick mm-hmm. of hearing about it. Um, and we found a dog just kind of started following us during this.
2: I remember that, yeah.
0: Yeah. So um, that dog reunited with, a, with its owner, which is a, a blessing and a wonderful thing. Um, but then my family was like, "We have to get a dog now," because I was ready to adopt that dog. So this uh-huh. is the result. This is Ripley Municipal Heart um, Lab. <laughs> I went to Animal Care and Control. It was a lot of. Uh, uh, it was I think almost all Chihuahuas and um, uh, pit bulls. and we wanted something kind of in the middle. So we ended up at Milo Foundation. Yeah.
2: I'm taking but... a picture of it. Any Any rescue is a great rescue. Like...
0: Yeah, she's she's been a joy. Good. Um, so you you. Uh, we're going to ask some questions about unusual things, um, and I'm sure everybody does that for you, but I'm curious, what's your day-to-day job like for animal care and control? Um, how many of you are there, and kind of what are your most common duties?
2: Um, so, as a, so I'm a lieutenant now, so I do a lot of paperwork stuff, so I'll answer from, as an officer. Um, you know, Everyone asks me how many officers there are, and it changes constantly, so I have to, have to think about it. I think there are 12 of us right now. Mm -hmm. Um, with ten who are actively working out in the field every day and so basically members of the public will call us about an animal issue and if it's something under our umbrella we will help them and if it's not we refer them to whoever they need to be referred to so it it, uh, runs the gamut from dead cats in the street injured pigeons in doorways Um, we get a lot of Raccoons stuck in like fences by their hanging by their leg because they slide down fences and then get caught in like V-shaped Aww. areas and can't get back out. So that happens quite frequently. Um, stray dogs, injured animals, injured wildlife, um, and then there's sort of mis- mystery things. Uh, yesterday we had a guy call saying that there was some sort of animal stuck in his light fixture in the garage, and sometimes these are most frequently these are sort of house noises and so we get there and there's nothing there and we're just like I think it's just house noises um this time it was a dragonfly <laughs> so it was the first time it's the first time our officers rescued a dragonfly That's-
0: what, um, what do you do with the dragonfly once you rescue it just
2: just set it free <laughs> set
0: it free good yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that yeah
2: um so literally anything you know there's not an animal we won't help if if somebody needs us um as an agency we don't do private veterinary stuff um but if it 's a stray animal or a wild animal we we're, we're there to help them
0: I'm, I'm betting there's a lot of sadness, but uh i i'd love to hear what a really good day's like like you 're walking home and you 're smiling what, what what happened What are those days like
2: for me um it is when I get to do a good rescue those mm-hmm. those to me are my favorite so any an animal that is stuck somewhere that 's uh, kind of complicated and i have to really think about how am i going to get this thing out with the minimal damage to the animal and the property and if i can do that successfully then that's a huge rush for me those are my absolute favorites
1: what was your most successful rescue that you can recall
2: um you know i've had i've had a fair number of, of quirky ones just the other day there was a raccoon stuck upside down behind some pipes um, he'd been there for hours and hours. Aww. The neighbors said he'd been screaming, and they couldn't see it from their property. They could just hear it. So he'd been upside down for about 12 hours and was totally wedged in. Um, and I could just about reach him at the top of the ladder, but still had to really stretch. and was, like, trying to, you know, push him without injuring him. Um, yeah, and he, you know, he or she got free. That was, that was a lot of fun. Um, I always enjoy skunk rescues. They're one of my favorites. Skunks get things stuck on their head a lot.
1: <laughs> like um, what?
2: Uh, like the fast food milkshake containers that have the plastic ring, Uh the hole. Um, a lot of skunks get their head stuck in those, um, peanut butter jars, mayonnaise jars, anything that had food in it. And like a kind of a constricted neck, a skunk (laughs) will get its head stuck in that.
0: I, Um, I'm sorry. If I see a skunk, like I'm immediately going to the next County. Um, are, are fan. am I missing something?
2: Yes. You are, skunks are an absolute delight. Um, they rarely spray you. They will if they have to, but they rarely do. And if you're, if you're saving them, they, they rarely spray because they know they're being rescued. But the trick, if you see, if you see a skunk with something stuck on its head, um, you can look like a hero by just walking up to it and pulling it off and then walking away because the skunks will only spray things that they can see usually. So when you pull off a, a container that's been dark, and it's suddenly bright. It can't really see you. Yeah. And so it's just sort of stunned. <laughs> and in those like, two seconds, you can just walk away. And then it gets itself together and off it pops. Oh. But you look like a hero <laughs> doing it.
0: It sounds like when people tell me, like, walk on flaming coals. And I'm like, those coals are flaming. I don't know if I want to do that. But yes. walk up to a skunk, it will not spray me.
2: No, I never make that guarantee. <laughs> you don't just walk up on any skunk. <laughs> um, but most skunks won't spray you. If, if they know you're there and you're not trying to harm them, they're, they're cool, you know?
1: Yeah. Peter, next time you, see, next time you see a skunk with a peanut butter jar on its head, you know what to do.
0: <laughs> I will know what yeah. to do. Um, Heather is <laughs> dying to ask you, because I had an encounter with a possum that did not end well. Are possums... Misunderstood? Are they yes. gentle creatures that don't deserve any violence to happen to them?
2: Abs- well, no animal deserves violence to happen to it. <laughs> um, but possum. So I have a deep affection for possums and skunks and pigeons because they're so maligned for no reason at all. No. Mm-hmm. Um, for possums, they're they're just incredibly primitive. You know, they haven't really changed for a long time, and. They don't live very long, and they don't really have any defence. So they just sort of amble around, and if you catch one, you know, if you catch one by surprise, it will hiss at you, um, and they produce a, a terrible smell from the, I think, their anal glands, um, because they don't want you to eat them. Mm-hmm. So they make themselves smell like they're already dead, um, and that's really it. They don't do much, um, and then you know they have a whole bunch of babies that they carry around on their back and the babies just kind of fall off and mum just keeps walking. (laughs) Um, They just work it out, you know? But they're very docile. I've been bitten maybe twice by a possum over 20 years.
1: Do you like rats also?
2: I I do like rats. Mm -hmm.
1: You like maligned animals. I mean, they're
2: more bitey. I wouldn't pick one up without wearing gloves, but um, I like rats a lot.
1: So what are the weirdest calls you've ever gotten? Can you recall any that really stood out as unforgettable?
2: yeah, there's a few. Um, you know, there, there's the super traumatic stories, obviously. Those, those stick with you. Um, but then other sort of random ones like we had years ago. Um, a hamster in a in a hamster ball just rolling down Stockton Street. <laughs> Somebody caught it and found it. I'm like, where did you come from? Like, Whose hamster is this? Why are you in a ball How did already? Escape? Um, yeah, exactly. Nobody ever came for it. Nobody claimed it. Found a rattlesnake in Golden Gate Park one time um, that we assume had been dumped because they're not they're not native to city San Francisco mm. um, but it was a baby once who was kind of feisty and I was pretty scared of it obviously as you should be any ven- venomous animal yeah um, but it was funny because when I released him I took him up to San Bruno Mountains and released him and he kind of charged at me I had to run away <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll be right back after this short break Do you get a lot of panicked calls? I mean, a lot of people who are just having the scare of their life and and maybe even you show up and it's not quite what it seems.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I was talking about this yesterday. I had a woman, it's got to be five years ago, call and say... And I actually answered. I happened to be answering the phone and doing the call, so I got the the full spectrum. Um, She called and she's like, because I just got back from... I should look up the countries, but you know, when, remember when Ebola hit mm-hmm. Central Africa? It was like five years ago or something. And she goes, I've just come back from there and I opened my suitcase last night and left it out open. And this morning there's a snake under my bed. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh, I don't know what kind of snakes they have in Central Africa. Oh boy. Um, okay, so I go out there and the woman's explaining to me and she's like, you know, I've just been in this country that has Ebola and I'm like, oh no, you're, am I being exposed to that? She's like, I brought back a, a snake, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I feel like this is, you know, a, a, this is a lot for me to cope with yeah. right now. But I'm a professional, and I will, and I will do it. And she goes, and she's like, in the hallway, she goes, it's under the bed. It's like pointing, and so I go in and I look, and there's this tiny little thing under the bed. And so I'm like, okay, it's really small, but that doesn't mean it's not, you know, fatal. <laughs> I was like, I can't, I can't quite see what it is, and so I have to lay down on the on the carpet and I kind of shimmy under the bed so I can get a good look at it. And this is, puts me in a super vulnerable position, yeah. right? I can't get out. And I look, and I look, and I realize that it was um, it was a, the flimsiest G-string. <laughs> that she had obviously just, like before she went on vacation, had like rolled it off, and so it was just like a coil of black fabric. <laughs> and, and I picked it up with my bare hands because I was like too busy laughing to myself and just held it up to her. and I was like, is this a snake? And she was mortified. <laughs> and I laughed and laughed.
1: You <laughs> said, I'm going to get a lot of mileage out of this story.
2: <laughs> and, it's like, and I just think about both of us at our separate dinner parties telling the exact same story from, from different perspectives.
1: I have a feeling she never told that.
2: <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I hope she does. It was funny.
1: <laughs> Other than a G- G-string, what is the weirdest animal you've ever rescued or the most
2: unusual? Um... There's a few that have passed through here that are just, you know, just super interesting. We had um, a capuchin monkey that somebody had as a pet. Um that went off to a rescue down in Texas. Um we had a little alligator that somebody found in Stow Lake, oh, wow. grabbed and put in their car and drove to the shelter with it on the seat next to them. Oh it was God. only like maybe a <laughs> foot and a half long, but I was still like, "Wow. <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty cool." Um what else We get sort of periodic fun things, Um, sugar gliders, hedgehogs, ferrets, all these things are illegal in California, so they're always fun to see, Um, and they get shipped off to rescues where they're legal. Um, This might
1: be a dumb question, but what's a sugar glider?
2: Oh, they're a a sort of uh, a little Uh rodent-y thing that that kind of flies. So it'll jump from a branch, and and it has wing skin from its foot to foot. Uh And it will jump out of a tree, and it can glide oh, wow. onto another tree. Cool.
0: I'm sorry to hear that's illegal, because that sounds really cool. Probably they're not a good really thing. Cool. <laughs>
2: they're really cool. I think they're quite bitey, but they're very beautiful.
1: So has your job changed much during Shelter-in-Place?
2: Um, well, I was on maternity leave for the first six months oh, wow. of this year, so um, well, congratulations. I, I missed most of it. <laughs> Uh, and coming back now, there's a few things that we're doing differently. We're not picking up owner surrendered animals right now, but people have to bring them down to the shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we're avoiding going into people's houses unless we absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. Um, plenty more hand washing um, and just taking care of ourselves, you know, just being hyper vigilant about that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But for the, I mean, for the most part, an animal in need is an animal in need, and we have to do what we have to do. Um, And none of us are going to walk away from an animal yeah
1: and i know that you wanted to uh, give a little shout out to what is needed in terms of adoptions
2: yeah so you know the adoption process has has changed obviously because we're not having people come into the shelter and so if somebody's interested in adopting an animal they can look on our website and it has all the available animals Mm -hmm. Um, i can fill out an, uh, uh, an application form online for virtual adoptions and a member of staff will call them and see if it's a good fit, you know, their lifestyle versus what kind of animal they want, and um, and then they can do the adoption. If it's a cat, they just just do the adoption. If it's a dog, they would come here and meet the dog in the yard. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have a dog, they bring their dog so they can all meet in the yard. Um, most of our available animals are in foster homes now, so we've had a, all the people that were volunteering mm-hmm. have really stepped up, and they've taken animals and fostered them in their homes. So members of the public can organize um, adopting kind of through them so they can meet the animal Mm -hmm. and get the foster parents uh, perspective on the behavior and temperament of the animal. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're always looking for more foster parents that's, I mean, with or without a pandemic, we always need foster parents for animals. Um, Now people are home, they can spend more time doing it. Um, We're we're particularly in need of foster homes with people who are skilled in cat behavior. Mm -hmm. So we have some cats that are, you know, maybe they've been born to a, a like a second generation feral mom. And they just need a bit more work to become more domesticated. Um, people who can handle that kind of responsibility of socializing a cat um, and spending time with it and, and monitoring the behavior.
0: I wanted to ask about, um, it seems like there's been a change in San Francisco in terms of the kind of wildlife out there. And I'm wondering what you and your colleagues have noticed Um, in terms of San Francisco since the shelter started, things like coyotes and animals that maybe we don't usually see in certain places, if there's been a a little bit of a migration there and some changes?
2: You know, I I don't really have much data. We, You know, the coyotes are pretty much in every park in San Francisco now. There's at least one. And the people who who call us about them run the gamut of, uh, like, delight and... Or that they've seen this animal that's you know it's a predator and it's a big wild animal and and they're awed and maybe a little bit scared but they're still they still think it's kind of fun to see mm-hmm. and then there's people who are horrified that this kind of animal lives in a city and um, and they want us to remove it and we have to explain that we can't just remove wildlife they live here it's the, that's the deal um, and we have to give people tips on coexisting with wildlife in a healthy way. Because most people are just scared, you know. This is what this is an animal that looks like a German Shepherd, um, and they're worried that it's going to attack them. Um, and so we have to educate people and say, no, it's not. And what do you tell people to do?
0: Happen. I mean, what, what? Heather and I have had a lot of travels um, with our Total SF projects, and we've run into coyotes. What? I just like made eye contact briefly and then went on my way. Um, mm-hmm.
2: Take a picture, enjoy yeah. it. Um, they're, they're always. I mean, I always find them fascinating. I'm always thrilled to see them when i see them like by surprise you know when i'm out walking um they're very shy animals they're pretty relaxed but they don't want to be bothered um so they just they're just doing their thing you know and you just get to witness a part of their day it's fun
0: how many of them are there and and when you were out and about a little bit more did you start to recognize them did you have names for them Mm. i mean do you
2: they tend to keep to their own territory so there's you know, one that lives in Yerba Buena Park that the public has named Carl. We didn't name him that. Um, and so if we get a call about a coyote in Yerba Buena Park, we know it's him. Um, there And there's one, and I think now maybe two, up in Bernal. Um, so if we get a call about a coyote up there, we know it's that same one, mm-hmm. just because they tend to stick to their, their range. Um, but come... Uh, you know, breeding season when the babies start to start to leave to find their own territory, that's when people start getting a bit more nervous because then they start seeing them out in the streets more. Um, yeah. but they're just trying to just trying to figure it out, you know, like the rest of us.
1: Officer Edith is mostly funny and heartwarming, but I'm sure you see sad things too a lot. So, how do you avoid fatigue and burnout yeah. in your job?
2: Um, I am quite strict about not taking my job home, and I and I tell all the new employees to to be strict about that too. You know, as a as a supervisor, we, I try not to contact people on their weekends, um, unless it's something urgent. Um, but everybody has to go through that learning curve. Of, they'll find an animal that's almost hopeless, and they desperately try and save it. They beg the vet staff, please, please save this animal's life. And then they try and find a home for it. And you can't find a home for some of these animals. It's just too hard. They're just too much. Um, and so they take the animal. They're like, okay, I, I will take this animal. Um, and then they end up keeping an, <laughs> keeping an animal. And you know, it's, it's a great story, but it, it, it's heavy. It's heavy on your soul mm-hmm. to do that kind of work all the time. Um, but literally everyone who does it takes an animal home. They can't help it. There's always, there's always one that's just like, I have to save this.
1: Aww.
2: I've got to save this guy. Um, and so I try and do that a little less. Have
1: you done that in the past? Now.
2: yeah, yeah, of course. And I, you know, I've taken taken home animals that I really shouldn't have done. And it, you know, it worked out in the end. But they were so hard um, to to manage. Um, but that's how you learn. You know, you learn and you and you get better. And um, you know, everybody here has that same story of like this one that they just couldn't forget. They just couldn't walk away. They couldn't clock out at night and just forget about it. They just kept thinking about it um, and had to come in and like, okay, this is, you're coming with me. I'll do what I got to do.
0: I I would just think that, you know, walking into work every day, trying to save anything would be a, a, it just seems like an impossible thing to complete. And I I would think there'd be a lot of burnout in your job. And it's so nice to see your attitude.
2: (laughs) There is. And it's, you know, it's just really about, I encourage encourage every new officer to get a therapist, you're gonna need one, um, mm. and to really take care of yourself. But the, the other thing, you know, from the outside when you look in, people say this must be such a hard job, I don't know how you do it. And from the inside, it's, it's about having control over a situation, right? So if you see somebody kicking their animal, it's, it's heartbreaking to see that because you have no power over that situation but I can come in and I can take the animal away. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so it's less, um, what's the word? Uh, it's not quite as damaging. You know, I can do everything I can to, to help this animal. Um, and I have the skills to do that. And that's, you know, that makes it easier, just being able mm-hmm. to have that power.
1: And for people who are listening and want to help um, animal care and control, do you have any tips or any way that the average person can help out?
2: Um, you know, we always just appreciate donations. Um, if you can donate, obviously we we enjoy having uh, financial donations, but also things like towels. Um, if you're, you know, decorating and you want a new color scheme, we would love to have your towels and your pillowcases. Um, and I know we have a, a wish list on Amazon for stuff for the animals that live here. You know, some dogs are here for weeks and weeks because they're going through cruelty cases or, or other things that involve them having to stay here for a while mm-hmm. and so they need enrichment so they need you know kongs and bully sticks and peanut butter and that kind of thing mm-hmm. to just keep them fat and happy um, so any I- of those kind of donations are great and if and if you can't do that which I you know obviously I understand especially in, in the current climate just you know promoting it's just understanding that we are the city shelter we'll take in any animal that comes through our door in any condition um, and we do our best to save those animals. And um, you know, we work really hard. We have a limited budget. We have limited staffing. And we, everybody here, does everything they can for every animal that comes <laughs> in. Um, and so, just just knowing who we are is a big deal. You know, we we get compared to a lot of other agencies, and and people don't know we exist. because we're, we're just this little city agency that keeps chugging along. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, if you if you see any of our stuff just you know retweeting and facebook sharing and what have you it it always helps just getting the message out that we exist and and we do good work great
0: well heather heather's about to administer the (laughs) lightning round um and just in case (laughs) we're not still friends after that i want to say it's such a joy to read the twitter feed and there are little nuggets of education in there and a lot of um a lot of things that i like share with my kids we share with it as a family it, it's just brought joy to our home and and made us think a little bit more about animals and and uh, we probably learned along the way so thank you very much for for everything you do
2: yeah you're sure welcome if anybody has any questions you can you know tweet them at me i'm happy to answer
1: um, well i have questions I...
2: <laughs> okay all right
1: <laughs> where is your favorite place in san francisco to get a burrito
2: uh, I can't remember the name of it and I always forget it's on 3rd and Williams it's in my neighborhood in the Bayview um, La L- L- Azteca I think it's called okay.
1: what is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco
2: you know I'm not a movie watcher no. so I I don't know if I've seen any I think maybe I saw the Hulk when it came <laughs> out but
1: I, you've got I'm to not sure I said, that was my well. favorite movie
2: <laughs> I must have done, but I, yeah, I'm not much of a movie watcher. That's not, yeah.
1: Where's your favorite place to get a stiff drink?
2: I really like, um, the right spot on Folsom and 17th. Is that right? What's your order? Is that what it's called? Right spot? Night spot? It's called something like that. Yeah. What do you order
1: there? Back in the, in the days of yore when you could order drinks at a bar. I was going to (laughs) say,
2: I've been, I've been pregnant for a while as well. So before that, uh, really just beer. I like beer. Nice. Lagers. what was your first concert? Nice. <laughs> this is okay. This is really embarrassing. Um, because it was so late in my adult life. It was David Gray and around like 2003 or something. Oh. Yeah, oh, it was nice. super late in my adult <laughs> life before I even went to a live if concert. Yeah.
0: Come and get it. Crying <laughs> yeah. out loud. I remember that song. Yeah. He has other songs, I'm sure too. He does have other
2: songs, and he was excellent. <laughs> I mean, I had no frame of reference, but he was excellent. I was really impressed. <laughs> Um,
1: What was the last book you read?
2: Oh, I just just finished reading Jurassic Park that was recommended to me by somebody. What
0: would you think? uh, A review. I've I've never read the book. I've only seen, like, all 17 movies.
2: Well, I hadn't even seen the movie either, and I thought I had, and then I watched the movie just after reading the book and was like, I haven't seen this. Um, (laughs) It was really good. Like, it gets real intense. Hmm. (laughs) Cool. Yeah.
0: The movie is better than the Hulk.
2: (laughs) I mean, anything is.
1: (laughs) What is your all-time favorite animal?
2: <laughs> um, oh, you know, I feel like that changes hourly, depending on what I see yeah. online. So uh, I'll, I'll flip-flop between elephants, manatees, pigeons, pelicans. Um, what else do I obsess over when I'm... But they're like my top four, yeah. I think. Cool. Sounds but like skunks
0: Skunks like in skunks the top ten.
2: In my top ten, for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Are there any animals you don't like?
2: Um, you know, I'm not super keen on hamsters because they've bitten me a lot in the mm-hmm. past.
1: Especially when they're rolling um, down Stockton Street.
2: Well, that one was already contained, so that <laughs> one was a dream. But if I have to actually pick one up, I'm kind of scared of yeah. hamsters because they, they're quite biting. Okay.
0: You mentioned bitey a few times. What are the most and least bitey animals, just as an education to our listeners?
2: Um, for me, the most bitey are cormorants and seagulls and the least bitey are possums and skunks
1: considering the state of our country do you consider moving back to england
2: (laughs) um you know i i kind of mull it but i feel that the political situation (laughs) is similar so yeah that's okay i mull it periodically yeah
0: uh, we, I do too. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: what is the one thing you're most looking forward to about the end of the pandemic? What is something that you can't do now that you wa- really want to do? Go swimming. And last question: What is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day?
2: Oh, it's just—it sounds so twee, but you know, just spending time with my children mm. and squeezing their little cheeks oh. and making them laugh. Great.
1: Well, thank you so much for talking to us today. It was a lot of fun. You're sure welcome.
2: And, and one more
0: time, um, people, could you give us the website and um, if people want to volunteer, donate?
2: Sure. Our website is sfanimalcare.org. Um, we're on Twitter. I'm Officer Edith. Uh, we also have SFACC, I think, is our other handle. And it has all the adoptable animals. Um, yeah, you know, if you can adopt an animal, please do so. If it's not from us, from anywhere else, Go to there's a so many rescue groups.
1: Well, thank you for all of your good work.
2: Thank you. You're
1: sure welcome.
0: You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Heather Knight and our guest Lieutenant Eleanor Sadler. Total SF is a production of The Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by The Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by treating yourself to a digital Chronicle edition at sfchronicle.com/pod.